Welcome to Bit Picking, a podcast about software and product development. I'm Laura. I'm Greg. I'm Mark. Hi, Greg. Hi, Mark. Hi, Laura. So today we'll be talking about should designers code and coders design. I'll talk about is serverless taking us back. And we accidentally do a Squarespace advert without being paid for it. Let's go. Something that I'd like to talk about is on Twitter, on design Twitter as we call it, there was over the summer some different sort of tweet storms going on from like the big, big names and thought leaders. And there were two actually, there was should designers code and vice versa. And uh, everyone's a designer. So the idea that even developers are designers, anyone who's making decisions on a product or a service is, is having an effect on the design. Um, and in the same vein that, uh, you know, designers should know how to co- code because then they will understand the limitations of a product or, you know, the, the technical limitations. Um, I think my view is that maybe we should stick to our own things. So I've had my foot in both worlds, design and development. And I think it's always hampered me if I know too much about the technical side that I'm not asking the right questions of the end users and not thinking about what their needs are. I'm just getting restricted by what the technical limitations are or worrying that I'm going to be told no. So it'd be interesting to know from your side what you think. So can I generalise this uh, a little bit, which yeah. is the uh, the general fashion for uh, multi-skilled teams. And when I think mm. about you know asking coders to design, we also tend to ask coders to test and to mm. architect cross-functional and to yeah. project manage <laughs> and to do to do all of those things and I'm sure from a design perspective you know you're also expected to do to do some of those things so um I guess my thought is well to, to what depth do we expect people to do this when we talk about you know designers should code or coders should design um is it literally that a designer should sit down and write code or is it that a designer should have knowledge of how to code mm, think- to your point and that might inform some decisions that they make you know if i design like this it's going to be difficult to code um yeah versus actually having an expectation that they should mm. they should sit down and do it yeah so for me there's so many gray areas with the argument you know like you say should it be that they just have a working knowledge or is it that they should actually be able to do it be doers but I think that's like you can't it's not acceptable you just can't ever get someone who can do all of that and do it well do it all mediocrely maybe but I think that's the point isn't it yeah being like you could not I would not expect a coder to sit down and do a good job of doing design Mm -hmm. do I expect them to be able to design actually I don't even know that (laughs) I'm a terrible designer I am really bad I cannot do front end but you've got to design define design then as well haven't you is it design as in you know putting it in in vision or into photoshop or something like that or is it the research to understand what to design there's you know there's quite a lot of so have you have you you encountered someone who has tried to be a designer when they're not and how did it work out well it's it's more that if you look at job ads, for example, if you look at a UX um, job ad, it will say often, 
you know, a working knowledge of HTML, CSS, you know, would be really, really great. And SQL as well. And it's just like, is that, is that common? (laughs) Is that, yeah. I think that maybe that talks more about the, 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 um, continuing confusion around UX and UI. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but certainly I think, I mean, I don't know where I sit on it actually, because I agree with Mark that you, you get to this point where everybody then has to do everything. Mm. But then I also think that the people that make the statements, they don't really mean it. They're, they're just trying to elicit a conversation or a yeah. discussion to say, you know, don't stay in your box. And I agree with that as well. Yeah. So it's quite hard. But, you know, you said there about everyone or getting to a situation where everyone has to do everything. But mm. in a smaller business, that is sometimes the reality. And when you're yeah. budget constrained, you know. If you're multi-skilled, yeah, you are actually more valuable to them. Yeah, so you're trying yeah. to find someone who um, can do more than one mm. thing, and that's where the, where's the t-shirt and the pie-shaped yeah. person, you know, analogy yes. comes from. Um, and then at some point in your in the growth of your business, you start saying, "Well, I've now got enough space or money or whatever to go and get specialists." Yeah. But then I think later on, now suddenly I've got too many specialists because nobody knows mm. what anyone else is doing or whatever. So. Yeah stay as a middle-sized company yeah i'm still stuck on <laughs> pie did you say pie shaped pie shaped pie shaped what's so that you know, i'm thinking generally... like round <laughs> i am yeah, pie no, shaped no. <laughs> pie you are, mean the pie that yeah the... the symbol so you've got the bar along the top as a generalization yeah. and then two and a couple of but one of them is shorter than the other yeah so you've oh. got you've got a deep specialization and then a not so deep specialization and then and a general, general yeah okay. I, I saw someone the other day maybe one of you guys tweeted it about Broke, broken combs there we oh, go broken so, combs yeah that was I just was like oh that looks, that looks nice I'll tweet that yeah. this is like my general approach to Twitter is I'll just stick that on and then I got loads of people saying oh that's not very well thought out is it and I was just like uh oh so what was I did see this but I didn't yeah. read it and then I tweeted at you this is terribly thought out <laughs> No, what was it it what? was the idea that all your skill sets can be shown like a, a comb with basically like you know how how good like a bar chart and that's and that's what i took away from that is that yeah that's quite a nice way to change it to look prettier okay <laughs> but actually yeah it, it wasn't as useful as i first thought but yeah i think just coming back to the subject then i think the danger is that um by talking about some of this stuff you um underestimate mm-hmm the specialism that is required in some of these things. Yeah. I'll give you a good example, which is uh, a, a project um, I'm on. Um, and I'm essentially, you know, running the project. Um, and there was one piece of it where normally there would be a project manager kind of put in place. And I was like, I don't <laughs> need a project manager. <laughs> right. It's a dev team just doing some stuff. Right. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll just kind of, see it through i'll just make sure they're on track right i don't need a project manager getting involved in this stuff now i find myself on roadmap meetings having to produce slides <laughs> with kind of budget variants and those kind of things on it, <laughs> yeah. right? and i'm like oh man i didn't yeah. <laughs> i didn't bargain for this oh, right? no you, you don't know? realize the true yeah. extent of project management until you've had one and then lost one yeah so yeah, i went from yeah, a job yeah. with with a project manager who was very good to not having one and you feel it, you really feel it, because yeah. you're suddenly like, oh, um, you know, and I think I'm, I'm doing all this. I, I, yeah, there, there's some stuff in there that I would I would debate the value of, but, yeah. but certainly in, in you know the the um, 
the area where I work it, it it's it's the done mm. thing and I think it's a good example of me kind of going well I don't need that like, I can just be that person yeah but actually really underestimating I don't want to be that person what that person's <laughs> what that person's what that person's doing yeah. I think the same is true of uh, of um you know of the other roles as well you know is design expecting a coder to design you know do you mm. mean that they're actually going to go through you know an actual process of designing yeah. or are you just can you make it look pretty yeah you know, exactly whereas a true designer is going to go through many iterations mm. of that kind of stuff you know and reaching into you know whether it's ux design or whether it's ui design or those yes. kind of things yeah there's a depth to it that i think you know we're in danger of like how difficult can it be to put together a nice looking website yeah and I wonder, actually it can be really bloody difficult yeah and i wonder if it's just because developers maybe because they're, they're pretty savvy with the tools and they know what the tools are. They're aware of them, and they know how to get them. Yeah. Maybe that's why it falls to them sometimes I just import, to do the design. I just import Bootstrap, and <laughs> seems to seems to do the job. Paste it on; it'll be I'm fine. Just, I'm still using Dreamweaver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Front page. I actually saw one of my contacts on LinkedIn using Dreamweaver. Is this a thing again? Wow. Is it? Yeah, if it is, then yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think maybe it's... Has it come back? Or can, I, can I talk about this? Sorry, this, is, this is deviating. <laughs> because I, as someone who can't really design, and I, I really don't like doing front-end HTML, CSS. I, I just haven't got the time and the patience for it. So what I really just want... I yearn back to the days when I first started doing development. I was actually doing VBA, like Excel and Access Forms, right? That's sort of um, what I started out doing. And uh, and you had a very simple drag and drop, drag this on here. Yeah. I could make the form look exactly as I wanted it to, and I could attach an action to that to that button to do it. So it was really simple for me as someone who doesn't like building UIs to build a UI. What's my what's my HTML equivalent of that? I don't feel like it is Bootstrap. Even things like Bootstrap are. But it's moving on now to things like Webflow. I mean, I don't know if you've oh, seen God. Webflow, no. but it's well, just... this could be a revelation to it's me. It's just, yeah, it's quite incredible, actually. I mean... What is it? Is it a product? Is it a framework? Is it a... Well, I don't really know how to describe it because I've not used it, but I've I've seen it being used. And it's, yeah, it's just like a front end to, to editing a site um, and the CSS... So it's it's quite it's quite interesting how suddenly you don't have to sit and type out all the CSS. They've actually provided a UI for you know selecting the different um, properties and things, and it's right. It's yeah, because really, well, yeah. I, th I think about things like Squarespace and Wix, and I can I can what build else? a website through that. Yeah. What I can't do is then take that and yeah. well, not without well, a bit file, of faffing. File saver. Yeah. Right, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I did wonder whether we were were like a really long. Um, lead into a Squarespace advert. <laughs> like, why can't I just create a website in three seconds? We are sponsored by Squarespace. But it, is, it is for developers. Though. We're not, not sponsored like... by Squarespace. No, Sorry, no. don't, don't, don't. <laughs> um, I know what you mean, yeah. though. You do think, but because all the sites look the same anyway. Mm. So why isn't there a system where you don't have to get into the code? But then yeah. isn't that diminishing, you know, the skill that and all the experience that's been put into it over mm. the last. 10 years how long how old is the web 20 but yeah i see what you mean like yeah where's because i mean you want to go you, back to basics yeah you know like you've <laughs> you, you know in, in your thought there you've you've sort of accidentally got rid of a an entire skill if that existed uh, yeah i'm trying to think whether it whether whether it shows my point or whether or not <laughs> i don't really know my, the, what, but then what, what my, I, I think what, what you're trying to is, say is there's quite a lot of visual programming isn't there 
Like you can yes. do something like, is it called Node Red? Yeah. Yeah, which is a way where you can drag and drop and say, right, take mm. this input. And, you know, and shortcuts on iOS is now a sort of consumer version of that where you get these sort of building blocks. It looks a bit like Scratch, actually, doesn't it? Mm. I don't know if you're right. familiar yeah, yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're right. If, there, if that exists for sort of programming, why doesn't it exist for design? But, yeah. well, but, I mean, maybe this is the distinction. So I'm, I'm very familiar with Node Red. I've been doing quite a lot with it recently. Um, and so it's one of those things that is very easy for someone who doesn't know a lot of programming, you know, or knows some programming, but is not you know, to drag and drop and mm. connect it together. It's also very easy for them to create a bit of a disaster <laughs> <laughs> because they don't really understand what's happening under the covers. And I dare say the same could apply on a, yes. on a design front, which is um, it would be very easy for me to drag and drop. A, a great example, I talk about VBA forms, you know, now that was fine in those days i was creating you know windows in a in a web world what that doesn't do is tell me anything about how it changes when i resize the window or you know how big is the javascript it's going to download in the background this is in fact these are all kind of problems that you get with um with wix or squarespace right which is 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 the analogy here that i know what a house should look like but if i were to build one it would be awful because it would just fall apart every time like it rained or there was some kind of landslide yeah. <laughs> or, you know, it just, well, actually that'd probably be rubbish <laughs> right. anyway, but, but yeah, it would be a very shoddy house. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I, I suppose what I'm saying is there needs to be an acceptance that, that, um, you know, you can use these tools and, uh, you know, and also then apply that to, I, you know, do I expect my coders to be able to design? If I wanted to quickly get a website up and running, I sh- you know, mm. I would expect my developers to have some knowledge of how they can get that going. If I if I wanted a world class website, then you know I really shouldn't be relying on developers to to do yeah. that. And I you know and I certainly shouldn't. It just feels like a a bit of a waste of money. You know, you made the point about kind of startups and and you know you have to kind of make do. But there will come a point where you have to go and specialize like it it's costing you more to have your mm. your your developer doing your sales because he's not actually able to do any sales because he's rubbish at it yeah. than if you actually spent the money and got a salesman mm. you know and, and and actually started specializing um, at that point i mean I, I i keep thinking about the um you know the individuals and and if you if you're asking a developer to design and a designer to develop you know, you you are sort of diminishing or dismissing their their own personal intentions. You know, I don't think there'd be many people that say, mm. "Well, I want to be great at everything." Well, there probably are, but they probably you know don't do very well at that. So I think people hang their hat on a thing, and then they say, "I want to be the best at that." Mm. So then to go into a to, to sort of situation where someone's saying, "Well, that's great, but I also need you to do this," which is you know, an entire new stack of knowledge and understanding, mm. I imagine would be quite demotivating. Yeah, I think some of it is what what is a designer as well. So if you're a developer and you're placing something on a page, maybe maybe a results list, and you decide to put the image on the left or the right of like a, you know, results set, does that make you a designer? Or are you just putting stuff on the page? <laughs> yeah. Like... That that's what like where does design end and where does it begin, you know? If there's a, you know, um, yeah. product manager making decisions, you know, on what where to go, where to to put the money into which yeah, yeah. projects, like, 
does that make you a designer as well? Because you're sort of changing the design of the site or, or wherever you're making it? I think that's it. That's, you know, I think these, yeah. whoever started these conversations is probably aware <laughs> of all of that and is yeah. just sort of trying to to elicit these conversations but yeah it's that well it works well, yeah. they, just, they just wanted to grow their twitter account yeah. i think because of all the yeah. manic twitter tweet storms that went on after it i think but it, but it is that definition isn't it of um design and develop i mean one thing that that has sort of come into my view recently is the difference between a developer and an engineer and i've always mm. been developer not me personally but you know that's what i've considered somebody who writes code um and and builds software products is a developer, um, and I've recently encountered a, a lot of people who don't like that. They want to be called engineers because they feel that that's yeah. more um, specialised. It's more of a profession and that kind of stuff. But the argument I'd always sort of subscribe to, although I'm now starting to change my mind, was that developer was broader. So an engineer was far too focused, and in our Web 2.0 or mm. post-Web 2.0 world, you needed to be broader you needed to know a bit more about the business and a bit more about design and that's why it was a developer because you're developing user Mm. solutions rather than just writing some code yeah um but again the argument made was well from my career you know what i care about is my career and and my value in the market and it's engineer that's what i want to be known as yeah it's when i got married to my husband so he's a developer or an engineer but when when you get your marriage certificate and you have to put on what your profession is. So at the time I was a web developer and he chose to put software engineer. We were in the same company (laughs) doing the same job. And it was just really interesting. Like you talking about that saying, what do you view yourself as? Um, And we were doing the same. He's an engineer. Yeah. He's an engineer. Where are you? And you're a developer, so where are you, Mark? I'm just a manager these days. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a different thing, I'm Mark. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. a Mark. I'm an individual. Uh, uh, no, it's, it's a good question. I mean, because I see the point. For me, engineer has kind of connotations of like deep technical knowledge, um, you know, of someone who's like, you know, building Working on a nuclear and, reactor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Whereas a developer is just, just a, well, to be a fair, developer the, the, in it. So. The people I was talking to were uh, had come from a hardware embedded background. Mm. So it was a bit more in that world rather than a web or you know pure software yeah. uh, environment. So that maybe that's the, sort of where it starts pivoting to the other. But I, I've got, I've got mm. quite into this whole engineer thing. And I think maybe to the other point we've made, that uh, because the companies I'm in now are much bigger... So there's much more room to have specialists mm. um, and we're not doing pairing, which is something else we should probably discuss and how do you pair people in this, you know, to get both done. I think there's room for it. So I'm sort of more comfortable with the idea that someone is a specialist and they're more open. They say, well, I can't mm. do that. And I'm like, well, that's great because if we're open about that, then I know that I need to go and find that somewhere mm. else. Whereas if I think that everyone can do everything, then at some point, someone's not going to do it to my standard or expectations and then you know i think what it boils down to i think is uh, it's about the collaboration and the and the ability to collaborate a a designer should be able to sit down with a coder and Mm. have a reasonable conversation yeah um and that's really what i think these things are trying to maybe that's what it boils down to is that you know, you've got to collaborate together. So you've got to understand each other's language. So it's not that I yeah. need to understand how to code. I've just got to understand the whole ecosystem. 
had to drop yeah. that in there. I mean, it's, you know, and, and <laughs> I know it, big words. An example for me is is you know some of the stuff I've been doing recently and and having to talk with someone about the project we're working on and it's, and it's technical. You know, it's basically a, it's a DevOps kind of thing, and the person I'm talking to just has no is isn't in software engineering at all. Um, and so I'm trying to explain this. You know, and and but it's not it's not a product. It's it's you know we're we're optimizing some stuff, um, and so I have to talk about it technically. Yeah. You know, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> re you know build it all in Terraform or whatever it might be, or you know, or, you know try and put it in some. It has to be in some technical language. Um, you know, but but the other person just doesn't have any concept. No fault of theirs. It's just not their not their area. Yeah, but it's an incredibly yeah. frustrating conversation because they're saying, "Well, can you simplify it for me?" And I'm like, "Well, like, I can, mm-hmm. but it's getting to the point where it's meaningless. Like, this isn't the cube. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Simplify. <laughs> so, so that that Stop collaboration that is is difficult, and I can kind of you know, yeah see that that if we're expected to have a conversation and 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 I don't have any appreciation yeah. of what what the design process involves, and you don't have any appreciation of what uh, mm. what coding involves, then yeah, it's difficult to have that conversation in any yeah. flowing kind of way. Is that what you'd classify yourself as then? Is DevOps? Is that your? I am <laughs> very much yourself. a jack of all trades <laughs> yeah. and very definitely a master of none. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> Did you know that there's research ops now as well? That there's, Isn't you know, really? there's like design ops and DevOps, but now we've got research ops, and it's like this huge community that's just flown off um to something like three thousand members of like a slack group now which is really what what, what does it what does it mean so it's i guess it means the same as like what people in devops and design ops do it's helping researchers do great work so supporting their processes and the people doing you know people who do research so yeah it's it's a very thin ice we had a whole episode last season on devops Oh, okay. And, and Which how... naturally you've listened to many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've memorised um, it word for word. But the the general theme was that um, what it is now, and I think even more so now, a year later, is not quite what it ah, was. Meant see, I to missed be. I missed the whole thing about DevOps, not the podcast, but <laughs> the whole movement, maybe. <laughs> well, it was meant to be to summarise. It, it was meant to be, I think, that you would put the the ops side into mm. the dev team. What's happened is you've now got another team. Oh, I see. Well, no, actually, actually um, situation I'm in is we have dev and we have DevOps. And there is no ops. Right. Ops is DevOps. Just so dev I'm like, if you dev. have DevOps, you yeah. have ops. But now you're in the same position you were before <laughs> yeah, DevOps. Yeah, yeah. It's just the arena. Yeah, that's so, it. Yeah. So with research ops, if it was to follow the same sort of you mm. know, old principle, it should be that the, uh, the research activity was performed by... Ah. Like the the people who were doing the work rather than being a separate entity. I, yeah, I think that's part, one of the big a... conversations at the moment is do you have like a research ops manager and then all the researchers hanging off them and they're 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 looking after them all, how they work and everything, or is it that everyone's in charge of it? So it must be the same thing. But it's a very organized community that's like obviously as researchers inward looking right, and there's okay. lots of like self research, like meta research going yeah. on. It's it's a bit like inception. It's quite <laughs> yeah. hard to follow. As, as I get older and or more tenured, I do grow quite tired of that sort of stuff where everything gets reinvented. Yeah, yeah. You know, like all the ops stuff. You're yeah. just weary. 
Well, because, you know, the DevOps thing, I've had this sort of theory that the more senior a developer gets, the more likely they are to to prefer doing DevOps style Mm. tasks. So they prefer to be administering servers and making Mm. those not quite what DevOps is, but, you know, rather than sort of getting really deep into code. That's just what I've observed. All the senior developers I've ever worked with, that's always been their first um, approach is like mm. well, well before I do anything I need to set up the build servers I need to set up the yeah. AWS blah 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 yeah. um, and I've started seeing that now in other disciplines you know and I'm thinking so who's doing the work <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. who's actually going to create the thing <laughs> that we want at the end yeah. you know and I, so I, when I say I grow tired it's because I sort of I, I want to find the people that are just really happy just to sit just there doing and the do doing. the thing yeah, yeah. and, and do know. people do that or do they want to progress and the natural progression is to be the ops person where you know yeah. where you're promoted above your level of oh, the Peter competence yeah, yeah where you just end up doing something that is not your skill set is that what's happening i, I feel like so. we segued yes. massively <laughs> well no but it's a similar thing isn't yeah, it if you've same, got people yeah. saying you know, influential people saying you, you you will not survive if you're just a developer you should also be doing design yeah so okay let's say that's achieved what's next well now to mark's point earlier now you've also got to do project management mm. okay now that's achieved i mean basically you end up and you're just a ceo <laughs> although actually if you understand what a ceo does they don't do anything they just make sure you know i don't know that sounded really yeah <laughs> i didn't mean it like i mean they, if you are greg's ceo they intentionally don't do anything the role of a ceo is not to do stuff intentionally well, maybe we'll do another episode on that. So the, the point is, you can't. You end up just where everyone does everything. Yeah, yeah. Know? So and that's a problem because I think when you see how many meetings people have these days and the actual time they get to work on real stuff, if they're doing the op stuff as well, that's kind of a problem. Like you say, who's doing doing? This bit. this feels like a segue into my rant about serverless. <laughs> I've been doing quite a bit of serverless um, over the last couple of months. Serverless is the idea that uh, you no longer need to set up your own infrastructure, your own servers. You can execute code in the cloud. Okay, okay. so rather than me saying, right, I need to deploy my web application, so I'll go and set up a server and I'll install um, Tomcat or some other thing and I'll upload my code and I'll run it there and I have to look after that server 24-7. Yeah. I can now just go, hey, Amazon or Azure, Azure or Google Compute, Azure one or, delete yeah. as necessary. Uh, here is my code. Please run this. And I don't care how they run it. And it gets invoked. You know, I only pay for what it what gets used. So if that site only gets hit once a day, I only pay for the few hundred milliseconds that... But it'll expand if you suddenly grow. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah it will. Yeah, so exactly. So, Maybe it's latently in my brain somewhere. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> the problem I have with serverless... Because the promise is, well, no, you only have to care about your code, your business logic. So, so the deal is just to clarify, because I think you, there was a, there's a middle ground about containers and Docker and all that kind of stuff. But you're actually saying that you just you're sort of uploading code rather than like a, yes. a deployable. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, here's my function. You know, and there so are frameworks just, that help you do this. Just this function when this thing happens, when someone hits this URL or this message arrive arrives run this code okay um the promise of this is that i no longer have to think about infrastructure i don't need an ops person anymore because there's no server to look after right amazon or azure whoever Mm -hmm. do that for me they take care of that they they you know their servers are patched 
I just upload the code and by some magic it, it works. The problem I have with this is that because you're not in charge of how it works, you have to spend a lot of time finding out how it works in order to write your code <laughs> to take account for, for how it works. Um, so, for example, like database connection pooling uh, is a problem that's long been solved in traditional software development uh, you know, because it's well known kind of how these things work. When you move to serverless, that sort of changes uh, because actually your code is running in different containers it you know it might run on a computer over here you know and then two milliseconds later it might run on a computer over here like a computer <laughs> a server <laughs> uh, um so like you you can't forget about this you have to know about it and, and so it means that like for instance um frameworks that you can happily use when you're just running a server yourself don't really work in serverless and you know i've spent a lot of time fighting that over the last couple of months trying to use a particular framework and going, oh, this doesn't work when you run it in in serverless. Um, you know, just a whole lot of other things around, um, you know, how you deploy your code and, and um, you know, just other patterns that just don't apply when it comes to, to serverless. So not saying it's bad. I just think the, uh, the dream of now you don't have to worry about the servers. You absolutely do because you have to understand the, the way that it actually works in order to write your code. And it mm. feels like we're kind of going backwards. Mm. And there are things where I think, well, I'd know how to solve this very easily. if I was... Maybe you're in the trough of despair. Um, and, yeah, and eventually very, you'll reach the slope very, of very possibly. excitement. I don't know what the... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I don't know what, would it, what, it, what it would take to get me to the peak of excitement or whatever it, whatever it may be i mean i um, think in in terms of the you know the the sort of theme of what we're talking about though like doesn't that just explain why specialisms are useful because if, maybe this thing's not a goer maybe it is but eventually someone will ex, will get all of that knowledge and they'll know how to solve this problem using serverless or the problem is not suited to serverless you know. This is this is absolutely true, and you know, and t- to be fair, there's a lot of people who are using serverless very successfully, right? And I'm not one of them yet. Right? Exactly, but, but at maybe, some point but you maybe, will be. Maybe I will be. Yeah. I think I've been a bit frustrated about um, you know a couple of times you had a problem, and then you go and try and find out how do you do this in serverless, and the answer is well, you're just not thinking about it right. <laughs> like, oh, I like that. I'm going to say there must be like what is the use of it if it if it doesn't work properly for you, then what, I mean, in what situations does it work? I mean, this is it. It, There are certainly um, scenarios that it is very well tuned for. So, you know, where you have, um, for example, uh, one-off events, you know, this happens as well. When this thing happens, I want to run this bit of code and it just copies this file or returns this response or looks this thing up in a database. Um, You know, that, those work very well, and I've, to be fair, I've used serverless successfully for those kind of things in the past. Um, yeah, there are other things when you're trying to build whole web applications on them. I'm certainly relatively cynical about how easy that is because mm. that's really what we're trying to do, right? Is actually build a web application, and um, thus far, it just feels like it's been kind of wading through treacle trying mm. to get everything set up and mm. working when you're having to just either reinvent or rediscover 
what you already know. Things that you already, yeah. that you already know. You know how to solve this problem. Yeah, yeah. exactly. exactly. So if someone is like, also then saying, oh, and while you're doing that, you need to be able to design. It just <laughs> yeah, doesn't yeah, stack yeah, up, yeah, does yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You know, or saying to a designer, okay, well, actually, I want, I want you to, to get involved in this move to serverless. Yeah, so yeah. this is interesting. Yeah. So that obviously I don't know a lot about that because I'm sort of extracted away from that and I'm at the user end a lot of the time. So knowing that, you know, it, that's only going to restrict me. It's what I was saying at the start mm. is that I, I don't need to know that in a way um, mm. in my job now because if I'm thinking about that, then I'm not thinking about what their needs are. Um, I'll be thinking, oh, well, you know, <laughs> exactly. on a serverless you, you, Yeah, you kind of <laughs> need, need that contention that that would create where yeah. you're asking for something or, or, you know, you're proposing something that may be, yeah. like, difficult. So then you'll talk it through and maybe mm. push the developers a bit and the developers mm. will push back a bit. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I don't have any theory behind this, but maybe better things come out of that. Yeah. Because otherwise we'll all stay in our safe places and yes, just do what yeah. we've done in the past. So you'd still be deploying yeah. JBoss servers or yeah. what have you. So, you know. And, I mean, you know, the thing to think about, you talk about those specialisms, because really what... We talk about DevOps and whether it's it's kind of original, true, true meaning. Uh, what DevOps is really um, doing, you know, the, you know, the way I see it going is not joining DevOps. It's it's trying to replace ops, right? It's saying if you mm. deploy serverless, then the dev team can simply do that themselves. You you've yeah. completely automated away the job of the ops department. No one is needed yeah. to come and look after servers now. Is that true? I don't know. You know, sh- should it always mm. be on the shoulders of developers now to deploy their functions and that'll be it, not have to worry about it and, you know, off they go? Well, not if it doesn't work as they expect because then they'll have to dive into it right, and they'll, is... they'll be less under, uh, aware of how to resolve it yeah. because it's been <laughs> yeah. behind some closed door for the last yeah, year yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, which is a bit like, to, you know, to... to to come back to the why can't we drag and drop websites you can but at some point you'll get to a thing well i don't want it to work like that i want it to work like this other thing and now yeah. suddenly you've got to look behind the curtain and you know bugger all yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. so so i think we're all yeah. agreeing that specialists yeah. are yeah and are, everywhere is, i've worked a specialist is all you know whether there are specialists in the company it's always worked better everyone has a specialism and can do really well in that area rather than everyone who's a generalist and does everything mediocre in a way it's yeah, mediocrely. Mediocre? <laughs> yeah, Did I invent a word? Because you're not even mediocre. Like, Averagely. Mediocre. Of the mediocre, <laughs> you're mediocre. Like Ned Flanders, mediocrely, dokely, or something. Averagely. Uh, Let's go with yeah, averagely. <laughs> okay, what do you think, Laura? Do you think designers should code? No, I, I've not changed my mind. I think it's one of these arguments you can't ever get to the bottom of it's it's an opinion isn't it it's not a there's no right or wrong i don't think well i mean that's so it's kind of pointless then yeah. <laughs> taking down the whole podcast <laughs> anyway keep listening yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, I still think it's good to have specialisms but yeah it's been interesting to hear what you guys think yeah i think it's all about the empathy it's empathy for coders yeah yeah. And and code is having empathy for designers. Yeah, I think that's a very good answer. Oh, right. I, agree, think, I agree with both of you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting right on the fence. Yeah. Um, I think it changes 
uh, over the lifetime of a team. And so I think the right way is to be able to identify where you are in that and, and make the, you know, get specialists or get generalists depending on what you need. Uh, yeah, understand um, what people want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, that's that's done that one. So follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at, at BitPicking. Bit Oh, we should all do that in unison. One, two, three. <laughs> At, At bit picking. Sounds like a cult. <laughs> yes. Like a Maybe it will be. Yeah. Maybe we'll be four of us next time. What if time? I joined? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the subliminal messaging that we've put underneath that are very high pitched so any children and dogs can hear. <laughs> Um, yeah, if you've got any feedback or if you've got any topics you think we should attack for a future episode, then get in touch. Otherwise, we will see you uh, next time. Bye, Laura. Bye, Greg. Bye, Mark. <laughs> <laughs>